Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome back, Couch Potatoes and TV Junkies, to Picked Up, the TV Pilot Review Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Camalucci, uh, joined every week by a new co-host. Um, this week, sitting across the table from me, is a longtime friend and bon vivant. Here I am trying to recreate some magic. Uh, Colin Cunningham. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, you know, we've been friends for seven years. <laughs> This is like that uh, that improv exercise where you like watch a scene and then you're forced to like do that exact same scene. Yeah, uh, but I'm not gonna force us to like redo. We're we're taking this for the second time because I fucked up. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's it's awesome to be speaking with you because we come from a set of uh, Florida alumni. We are. Who, uh, I think you you brought up that we've uh, known each other now going on seven years. That's right. That's awesome and crazy that it's been that long because it doesn't feel. I I'm just bad with like lengths of time anyway. I still feel like fucking twenty four, where which I'm very far from. Yeah. Right. Uh. So like, yeah, it feels like oh yeah, we've all just been friends like, you know, just a little bit, but like, nah, man, we've been hanging and banging for a long time. Yeah, I think it's because we kind of settled into who we were about the time that we met, or at least we're getting close to that. Yeah. Before that time, you know, anybody that you've known for more than like three years, you knew when you were like a foot shorter. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, uh, so if you're new uh, to the podcast, what we do is, is we will uh, watch a pilot episode of a television series and we will uh, have a discussion about it and decide... Uh, if we would pick it up as network executives, and if we would pick it up as human beings. And uh, before we go any further, um, if you don't already, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, at Picked Up Pod, on Facebook, like us, at Picked Up Podcast. And uh, if you don't already, uh, please, please, please uh, subscribe and download and um, uh, give us a rating and, and review. Five stars would be dope on iTunes and Google Play Music. Um, but that's enough of that. Uh, let's go ahead and get everything kicked off the way we normally do here. Uh, Colin, I have one very simple and honest and telling and trying question for you. Mm -hmm. What you watching, man? There's a bit of a gap now in my watching schedule now that Westworld has ended. Okay. So I'm taking advantage of that time to watch all the shows that maybe I'd seen one episode of before and thought, man, I should really watch more of that later. <laughs> and people keep asking me, oh, have you ever seen this? Have you ever watched Dexter? Have you ever watched whatever else? I'm like, yeah, I saw one, but never the rest. Yeah. So. Doing a lot of catching up rather than okay. current stuff, I guess. Honestly, though, I mean, that's like the best time is now to do that because, yeah, Westworld ended. Uh, Walking Dead is on its uh, break. So I don't know if you watched that, uh, Walking Dead. No. But that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, this is the perfect window to get caught up then. Um, but Westworld. Give me your thoughts on Westworld, because I think we talked about it a little bit, like what in the middle of the season, mm -hmm. but we haven't really talked about it since. Yeah, gosh, part of me doesn't even want to like talk about my thoughts for the next season because <laughs> I was a little bit I was a little bit ruined in the first one by getting into the theories early on. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, it didn't leave me that mystery. I'm jealous of some friends who saw the whole thing without talking about it or learning anything about it. And they were they had a much better experience, I think. I don't think so. I mean, I, I know I enjoyed my theory, my, mm-hmm. my experience like a lot because, uh, because of the theories and all that stuff. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't know if it was, if they experienced it as maybe it being a better show. Because uh, I still enjoyed the hell out of the show, but it wasn't a perfect show. Like, it didn't have, like, I don't know. There were parts that were just pretty clunky to me. Sure. As far as just, like, we have these super cool things we want to do, and we know what the finish line is, but, like, yeah. oh, we kind of tripped over ourselves a little bit here and there. From what I've heard uh, about the second season is that the first season was entirely that, just a setup so that they could do what they actually wanted to do the whole time. So I'm yeah. excited to see what that's about. Um, And... That makes sense. Like they're just getting to the the real fucking go round of what they want to do. Um, but it was still cool week in and week out. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, <clears throat> to have like Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Wright just like having fucking scenes together. Yes, I get that for eight weeks. That's that's awesome. <laughs> it was great. Uh. I I could use a little uh, bit more Rick and Morty. I'm starting to run real dry on uh, my well of patience for that next season. Yeah, they um they seem to like wet appetites every few months. Mm-hmm. Like they had from Comic Con that animatic that uh, Justin Roiland, Roiland did from right. that court case. Uh, which, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, just search on youtube rick and morty court case and like an animatic i'm pretty sure people have gone in and like colored it and stuff like that now too yeah it's it's just a transcript of this fucking batshit from this batshit case in georgia i want to say yeah that was just and it was just ridiculous yeah it was just nutty (laughs) and it was just voiced as like the judge was rick and the uh, defendant was morty yeah, not written by anybody on the show, but written by real participants in the court system. Yeah. <laughs> but you wouldn't be able to tell, I guess. It seemed, seemed like an episode. And they did that other thing. What was it? The uh, Where Rick is shrunk or put into a pickle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I haven't and, watched that yet. But really? Yeah, I, I saw that that kind of made its way out there. Is that intentional? Are you saving yourself a bit? Kind of, yeah. I, whenever things kind of like hit the internet, mm-hmm. I'll tend to just sort of let them hang out there for like a week, two weeks, maybe well, a month. It's been longer than that. Maybe a month. Well, I I must be talking about something different because okay. I saw something else recently that was like a season three uh, teaser or something like that. But like it still looked like really roughly drawn like the animatic. Gotcha. Um, so that's something different. But for this other thing, I'm just kind of like letting it be for a while. And then I'll remember like a month, two months later. Oh, yeah, I'm going to check that out. I've done that with two trailers for movies that dropped on the same day. The the uh, Blade Runner movie and John Wick 2. I do the same thing for trailers. I still haven't seen either of those. I've, yeah, I've not watched either one of those because I already know that I'm going to watch both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. And then I'll also, like, just when I do watch those, I'll just go on, like, a tear of just, like, what are all the trailers that have come out in the last 10 months? Right. Um, have you seen the the trailer for uh, Skull Island? 
Kong, uh, Kong? Movie? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I think I did. It's been a while since I've been to the theater. Uh, well, that's not true. I went to see Rogue One, but I don't think they played it there. <laughs> what did you think of Rogue One? Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I really like... I really like a, stories like that that don't involve the main cast of characters that we've gotten to know and just take advantage of the universe that's been built. Yeah. Because Star Wars has been doing that you know, for decades for every other avenue of entertainment, you know, books and TV shows and all kinds of stuff, but there hasn't ever really been a movie that was uh, just next to. Yeah. I, um, I kind of felt the same way I felt about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Have you seen that? I have not. It was just fun to just kind of drop into that world regardless of familiarity with the characters Mm -hmm. because it was just fun to like be immersed in you know for fantastic beasts like magic and hogwarts stuff and like you know uh spells and shit uh and for for rogue one it was just fun to drop back into that era Mm -hmm. of star wars where everything kind of looked 70s ish and you had the mustaches going full force and like all the technology they had to retro date and mm-hmm. stuff. And and that was just so much fun to just drop into. Um, and about the, the characters, I know one of the, uh, the criticisms I've heard of the movie is that, like, <clears throat> you're introduced to these characters and then and you have, like, no buy-in because they all die at the end. And it's like, well, what's every other movie? I mean, that makes it more important and impactful to me i think because what i thought coming out of that wasn't like oh i got to know and love these characters now i won't get to see them again but it's like i didn't know anything about them going into the movie right and i they made me really enjoy it so anything else that comes out i have confidence that the same thing will happen there'll be new uh characters to watch and see and who cares what happens and that's also every other non-franchise movie like of all time right like the movie ends and it's done. <laughs> like you just, you're never getting whiplash too, you know? I know that's something that Stephen King used to say to fans who would ask him about, you know, what happened to your characters after the story? And it's like, nothing. I stopped writing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's the end of the story. They, they serve their purpose for my story. They, they're, it's, they're just words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they, these aren't real people living another life that I like heard about and then put to paper yeah <laughs> but you gone. do you do have like writers and creators that do kind of talk about their characters in that context well, i know as uh, improvisers are both familiar with tj and dave who yeah. say the complete opposite about their show where uh, the characters that you see on stage they view them entirely as people who are living a full life before uh they started performing them and Continue. once the show is over those characters will keep on living yeah so and and Neither's right, neither's wrong. It mm-hmm. really just, I think it says more about kind of like your outlook on life. Um, I had a funny uh, thought recently. I was listening to that uh, uh, WTF that sure. Springsteen was on. Okay. Um, I, I didn't you, hear about that. Yeah, you got Bruce. <laughs> um, and like towards the end, they kind of just go off on a Trump rant. Okay. And it like dawned on me like, man, how bummed do you think Springsteen was when he realized like, most of the characters he's sung about totally voted for Trump against their self-interest. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, talking about that now is just... Uh, I've been listening to podcasts um, archived, mm-hmm. and I'll come across somebody talking about Trump or... Yeah. You know, uh, 
like, oh, well, that'll never happen. And I just think in hindsight, like, oh, God, no, if only I could go back in time and tell them. Yeah. And I don't know what this thing that we're putting to tape right now <laughs> will, I, will inspire other people in six months to a year. But I hope. Dude, uh, I re- the episode I recorded this season with Rudy, we, mm-hmm. did, we watched The Wire. And we recorded it like the Saturday before the election. And it came out the day after the election, and we sounded like assholes. That was a real weekend of positive energy in Chicago, yeah. especially. You know, Cubs won the World Series. Yeah, everything Fucking, was going great. Yeah, even like, uh, uh, uh like earlier that day, or the day before, or like that earlier that week, like Chance the Rapper took like thousands of people to go early vote. Like it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It felt great. It was an all-time high morale. Fuck. Uh, but, you know, yeah, you can't you can't go back. I listened to Keeping It 1600, mm-hmm. and those are oh, rough. Yeah. Those are rough. I had, like, two stockpiled from before the election, and I didn't get to them until after, and that was fucking hard. That was a rough one. It's, to be honest, the one that hit me the most uh, wasn't even about the election at all. It was about the video game No Man's Sky. <laughs> which was a video game that I had been looking forward to for like three and a half, four years, ever since it was announced. And it was going to be amazing. You know, yeah. Go, go through space, uh, quadrillions of planets to explore, however you saw fit. And, no two creatures are the same. And it was a huge letdown Just this year. Just a big like, wet fart, like a, right? It's still a massive joke, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was listening to this podcast for... Boy, he was, one of the one of the speakers was explaining to the other how amazing this game was going to be, and boy, you're not going to believe it when you play it. And I'm like, I was listening to that like the week the week after the game came out, and I was like, oh, gosh, guys. I was trying to I was talking with Spencer about that because he anything I know about that game I I know through him. Sure, Spencer Hamilton, one of Spencer the co-hosts Hamilton. of the uh, Dilettante Ball podcast, and, also on this network, and former guest on uh, uh, Picked Up. Sure. Um and uh, creep uh, creeping his way onto being a regular of Potswoggle as well. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, naturally. I mean, we... and uh, uh, yeah, it's. Cr- I asked him like, how does that even happen? How do you work on this thing for like the almost half a decade, and then forget to put make it really. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just mind boggling to me. Like, wasn't there someone like putting together like a lawsuit or something for like false advertising? <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's somebody who tried to sue the creators of Suicide Squad. Did you hear about that? No. Or is at least talking about it because false advertising for implying that the Joker would be in more of the movie than he was. <laughs> if if there's anything that actually that suit would hold water against, it would be Rogue One, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, with uh, Vader. Well, or, no. Or, oh, well, yeah. I've seen the scenes and comparisons to things to that just trailers. straight up weren't yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's like freaking at this point there are uh, like just huge dissections of of just what wasn't in the movie compared to what was in the trailers and well, stuff. And here's what's happening now in the future. I mean is uh, somebody's listening to us completely ignorant of the alternate ending that was originally filmed, which was released six months from now, probably. I'm just assuming. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> no. I've heard that it was a completely different ending, and I have no idea if that was a good thing or a bad I mean, thing, the they tone, changed it. The tone was apparently completely different as well, and I 
heard that like months before it came out too. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, yeah, every movie does get reshoots, but the reshoots that happened on Rogue One were like drastic. Yeah. So, uh, have you seen any other like uh, uh, award season movies, or was like Rogue One the last one you saw? Uh, gosh. Or I saw what? Arrival. <clears throat> Does that count? Yeah, hell yeah, that counts. It should. Uh, I my personal favorite for best. We saw actress, it together. We did see it together. Yeah. That's right. And I personally think um, Amy Adams should win Best Actress, in my opinion. Because that was the first time I've ever given a goddamn about Amy Adams. Yeah. Sure. I, she's always just been vanilla to me. And she <laughs> fucking crushed that movie, dude. Mm-hmm. She, good performance. Yeah. yeah. What did you... Because I, I, I can't remember... Uh, I know that you had... takes coming right out of it. You, I know that you were very positive... Yes. ...on the movie coming out. And I still am. I, I was more uh, lukewarm. I think uh, I enjoyed it, uh, but I, I wasn't really raving about it for yeah. a reason that you know might kind of tie in with the show later on. Oh, or as a there's this common thing I think in like sci-fi or supernatural, you know, thrillers where too much of the movie is spent with people in complete mystery, wondering like what the crazy thing is, mm-hmm. and then you find out at the end, and then the movie's over. So. What I think is, you know, why not just come out with a crazy thing in the beginning and then let's see where we go from there. Like I, for one, you know, I enjoyed Arrival. I think it would have been an interesting, I would find it a much more interesting movie if it started with them figuring out that this language had like, you know, spoilers for that, I guess, special properties. Yeah. (laughs) And then, Um, and then, and then playing with those special properties for the rest of the thing. I'll, I'll tell you what though, uh, under the context that you don't find it out until the end of the movie mm-hmm. um it completely changes the way you look at amy adams's performance yeah that's because true. when you when you throw that whole layer on top of everything what she does is nothing short of spectacular yeah i think it's fair to say that i really love the performances and i really love sure. the look of the thing and it was it was very beautiful, well-acted piece, but the story, yeah. I, I would have uh, preferred a, I, a a bit of a time shift it, it, <laughs> there. The, the, the bit at the end that's sort of like the reveal, mm-hmm. I guess, um, was heavy-handed as fuck. Yeah, that probably contributed a lot to this. And I'll definitely give it that. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to decide whether or not... Um, it was heavy handed as fuck for us or it was heavy handed as fuck for, for that character to that character. The other one, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, sure. Uh, the Asian, the, the Chinese president right. to Amy Adams. Right. Yeah. The um, way that I came out of it, uh, an analogy that instantly formed for me was imagine that you're watching a movie where, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is trying to figure out why his police department somehow arrives just before somebody commits a crime and this whole movie is about like him trying to figure out like why that happens or where these orders are coming from or what and then at the end they show that there are like three psychics who are predicting crimes before they happen <laughs> and that's that's minority report he's like oh that's what it was credits yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that is that is the thing that's ultimately problematic with mystery box movies and shows mm-hmm. and we'll definitely because i had the same thought um but I 
like it a little bit more in movies because it's a little more fleeting and you're not investing as much time into it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be two hours, two and a half hours at most. And it's either going to be a dope idea and totally satisfying or it's like, oh, well, they yeah. tried. And at least you were like kind of entertained leading up to it. The thing I I totally fucking love Arrival for and that it was, it was a sci-fi movie that even when there were guns fired, you didn't even get to see it. Right. It was it was a a heady sci-fi movie um, that was very message heavy and was timed incredibly well to be so. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't have fucking planned that because it came like we we at least saw it like right after the fucking election. I mean, maybe they saw the future. I mean, they had, I mean, they had to learn the language to put it in the movie, right? <laughs> I, let me see the original draft of that script and what fucking language it was in. <laughs> it's just the circle, mate. You wouldn't be able to read the script. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah man like i can't name to you another sci-fi movie off the top of my head that doesn't that doesn't feature uh some sort of gun or sword being fired or swung mm-hmm. you know it was just it was it was cool that you know uh it was it was an intellectual it was a sci-fi movie for intellectuals you know Sure. And I, I I praise it for that. Yeah, it was a great movie. Um, better than La La Land. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is the first time that I've ever been excited for the backlash of a movie to come around because I feel like I was in on the backlash before anyone else. Uh, not a fan of La La Land. Yeah, Beautiful movie. I don't movie. know anything about it, really, yeah. uh, except that the... Uh... Stars, I think, were supposed to be in Beauty and the Beast originally, or there's some weird yeah. role swapping going on there. It was uh, originally uh, Ryan Gosling's part was supposed to be played by Miles Teller, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which would have been super weird because it's the same director and writer as Whiplash, and that character is like also super into jazz. Okay. Uh, so that just would have been like a fucking weird rehash. And then Emma Stone's part was supposed to be played by Emma Watson. Right. Who was in Beauty and the Beast. So completely different movie if that happens. Especially with fucking Miles Teller in Gosling's part. Um but that's neither here nor there there. I'll bitch about it when it wins Best Picture. <laughs> okay. Um Real quick, what other uh so you mentioned you were uh what what uh, like kind of catching up on shows. What are some of those that you uh have kind of gotten into recently? Huh. Actually, I think the last three shows that I've seen, well, four if we include the one that I watched for this podcast, sure. have been pilots. So uh, <laughs> I watched uh, the pilot for, gosh, what's that What's that? Uh, time travel movie with uh, the guy from Better Off Ted, I think? <sighs> Ooh. Cut uh, this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... Oh, so it's based Time, off of Timeless? Time? Is that is that a show? Oh, no, 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 no. I know what you're talking about. Um, It's the is it Frequency? No, no. Because okay, I know they turned that into a show. I, I saw the bus stop ads for yeah. Frequency, but I never saw the show Frequency. Uh, and then there's Limitless, but that has nothing to do with time that, travel. Oh, gosh, that show. That has to I do watched, with that was a, That was a pilot that I watched as well, and I tried watching the next few after it, but it was turned one of my 
favorite as a guilty pleasure movies into, you know, we're a police department. You're somebody who knows more about crimes than we do. Help us out. <laughs> Which is, I want to say like 60% of CBS's shows. Right. <laughs> you're a writer. You know more about crimes than we do. You're a profiler. You know more about crimes than we do. <laughs> you're a stage magician. You know more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you this before we uh, move on to the show. Oh, so Timeless is a thing. Yeah, boy, don't watch it. So, uh, perfect. Um, to you, having watched a bunch of pilots recently. Sure. Um, producing an effective pilot episode of television is one of probably one of the harder things to do in show business. One could create a series based around the concept. Sure. Probably. Podcast, uh, perhaps. You know? Uh, I'll look into that and see if we can get something on uh, arcadeaudio.net. But you could argue it's even harder than like ending a series, uh, which is near impossible to do satisfyingly for most people. Yeah, I think Star Trek, uh, The Next Generation did it and nobody else. Yeah. Fresh Prince. That's the ending. (laughs) Those two. (laughs) Those are the only ones. (laughs) But what do you look for in an effective good pilot? Because there's just so, and, and while you're thinking about it, I mean, it's just like there's so many things you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to introduce characters, introduce the premise in, of, of the show. You're while also trying to have a story that'll be representative of the rest of the stories that you're going to be telling from episode to episode. You're just juggling like 15 different things. I think the key is. 20 minutes in, I shouldn't be throwing my hand up asking, like, what the heck is everybody doing right now? What is going on? Uh, Timeless is about somebody who invents a time machine. It gets stolen by somebody who goes back and tries to rewrite history. And our intrepid team of three heroes uses a prototype time machine to go back and stop them. But the three people that they put in this time machine are the worst choices. (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's a pretty important task. You got three people you got to send back to like fix time. They grab some like junior history professor from the local university or something. I mean, even in Arrival, they fly a helicopter to get somebody who's good. Yeah. <laughs> like a good academic. Yeah. And this one, they're like, oh, well, you, you taught history for a while. You know a little bit about this, right? <laughs> and uh, some engineer who happens to be in the building, and then the worst soldier of all time, the worst disciplined government employee I've ever seen. And maybe that's what makes it Just such like a realistic the, show. The loosest canon, because they did such a shitty job of choosing the people. Like, maybe I've been... Naive. Like, trained through all that I've watched to think, like, there are these, you know superhuman types just waiting in the wings to go back and be ultra-competent at whatever they're supposed yeah. to do. But maybe in real life, it is just a bunch of... Like, whoever you could pull together yeah. it's with an unimaginably important task. Yeah. And the, yeah. That, that, that is, oh, God, that's so fucking, like, nihilistic, but it's true. Like, they show in the trailer, in the teaser for the show, um, the, the guy from <clears throat> Better Off Ted uh, is, is confronted by 1940s cops in jail, and he's like, it gives this really empower, like powerful, uh, 
uh, vent, venting of frustration on him is like, you know, you're on the wrong side of history, and like, I, like that's how I I know that I'm better than you, and so it's like it's like cool from a yeah spectacle perspective, but that was one of the things, and and uh, the soldier is back there to you know help make sure that they don't get into too much trouble, I guess. But the first thing that he does is fall for some woman who's supposed to die, and then try to do everything he can to save. Her classic Ruin, Back ruins to the, the Future Three. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a show that's like easy to pitch and like flashy and easy to get greenlit. Not that anything's easy to get greenlit, but because it's so fucking, you're dealing with time travel. You're gonna get torn to shreds. I'm probably gonna watch the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's instead of that, there's a show that's gonna be coming on in like a month or so. Uh, it's a, a comedy on fox called making history okay um it's gonna have uh fucking it's gonna be on fox it's uh the producers are uh chris lord and phil uh phil oh, miller great uh chris miller and phil lord sorry um and it's uh adam pally and uh like just a bunch of other funny comedic actors um and adam pally just plays like this doofus that like happens upon a time machine. So he goes back to like 1776 and like gets a girlfriend and he'll, he like goes back every weekend and shit like that. Okay. And like he brings like his history professor because that's like the closest. Basically, it's the comedic version of Timeless <laughs> with sure. just like a lot more elasticity to like fuck up like timelines and shit because because <laughs> right. they're doofuses. They're supposed to be idiots. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. And it's probably, it's like way too high concept of a show to like, for a comedy to like really have any sort of legs, I think. Um, but again, it's one of the shows that's like funny and crazy and I'm glad that they're making it because it's, you know, it's a, a original idea for a comedy. Um, but keep an eye out for that because I think it's, it might just make even more sense than that show. Uh, while still having all the same conceits. I watched a show called Travelers. Have you seen this? No. This is one that I stopped after 20 minutes. <laughs> and I was with a friend of the show, Robert Columberti, yes. watching it. And this was one of those that I, I just had no idea what was going on the whole time. I looked up a plot synopsis halfway through just so I, I would understand. And it, the the concept of the show wasn't like, a mystery, you know, like uh, Le Revenants sure. is uh, is just people dying, coming back completely different, some kind of implication that there was some kind of time travel going on, and just a whole lot of stuff that I didn't really understand. Like a lot of dis disconnected elements. They're all introducing like these characters, yeah. but nothing to tie them together yet. And I, It sounds like they're just kind of like Frankensteining other shit that worked. Yeah, and I'll tell you, we gave up on watching that one and then watched the first episode of that uh, Guillermo del Toro show uh, the about strain? the trolls. Oh, about the troll? What? <laughs> like Troll Hunters, I think it's called. What? It's, <laughs> a, it, it's animated. <laughs> it's like a 3D kid show. And boy, love that. That was great. <laughs> well, it starts off with this epic battle between two trolls. And, you know, they're fighting under a bridge, of course, and yeah. the sun is coming up and, you know, they get 
burned and turned to stone by the sun. They have this battle. They go up under the bridge and they're fighting. And then, like, the evil one is like, oh, you know, you're, you're done for. And the guy's like, oh, oh, there will be another, something heroic. And then he jumps out into the sun and, like, turns into dust. But his sword and, like, his like pendant that he had uh, remain for our hero boy to come along and discover it and become the new so-and-so. Hey, man, that's... That's all you get. Just keep it fucking straightforward like that. I'm already invested, and I know what's happening. <laughs> yes. God damn it. But, you know, there you go. Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll put a pin in this. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break. Um, and when we come back from the break, we will uh, be talking about a show we watched from 2012, Le Revenant. And we're back. Um, so yeah, we watched the pilot episode to the television show uh, coming from France. The channel Canal Plus, I guess was the channel. Uh, Les Revenants. Um, this was a show that ended up like getting spun off into like, it's like one of those shows that ended up becoming other, like wait, there was an American version and like every other country had like their version of it. Yeah. Um, so like, I think this ended up on like A and E yes. as the returned, which is like the direct translation. Um, and they'll even call the French one the returned in yes. English. And I think it's the most useless kind of translation there is because we had a movie called The Revenant, and people knew what it was. Like, yeah, people were like, "What? What is that word?" It's like if there's a you know show in Spanish called like La Quesadilla or something, and it gets made into English, it's like. The, the the cheese food item. <laughs> it's like, oh, we know what you're talking God. about. And that would also, like... Oh, man, that'd be the most racist show of all time. Like, probably not. Like, not the most racist show of all time. I didn't tell you anything about the plot. I said there's a quesadilla. No, but... It, it was good enough in the original language to be remade But if we have a English. show that's just called The Quesadilla, man. Well, I guess not. We had a, sh- we had a movie... Uh, called Codename the Cleaner. And that sounds like it would be great. Uh, but it wasn't. Fair enough. You know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I formally apologize. <laughs> um, so did you know anything about the show going into it? Or like, have you heard anything about it throughout the years or anything like that? Uh, I, I did not. I have not heard anything about it. Um, <clears throat> when I, I did select it. I did choose to speak about this yes. show, though. Which I was very happy that you did, um, because I I didn't know who was going to, <laughs> um, and I was just gonna have to like just pounce it on whoever was the last guest host of the season. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, all yeah, I, I assumed that it would be in French. Yeah, and. So I knew basically all of that history. It was actually on Sundance TV is the the channel that it was on. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that, yeah, like we had our own version of it. Um, I didn't know that it was actually based on a 2004 French film called uh, They Came Back, mm-hmm. um, which is 
Well, I was going to say that's weird, but I guess it's not that weird because we just talked about like 15 different shows that also did that, like Limitless. Mm-hmm. Like completely frequency, yeah, yeah, like completely random property. Tangent on uh, uh, designated survivor. <laughs> but... Have you watched any of that? Yeah, I watched all the episodes. Oh my so god! Far. Have you and seen you're it? Not bringing that up from before. I forgot. You son of a bitch. I forgot. <laughs> uh, Revenant. Um, <clears throat> premise is, uh, what we see is a bus. Uh, fall off the side of a a mountain um and how we see it is probably the most impactful way it could have been shown i think because if you recall it basically just drives off yeah and it starts tipping over you hear like some kids scream and then like it just falls over there isn't a huge fireball or anything they they don't show like the guy the bus driver go like oh no hang on kids (laughs) <laughs> like it's, swerving it's and the least dramatic way it could have happened and it also just looked like it's like what the it was also it, it was started with a mystery because it's like that was not a hard turn like yeah you're either like the worst driver of all time like did he fall asleep like what the fuck happened well i know that you're going to ask later on who the least valuable player was and i kept notes with that in mind okay. and the first one that i wrote down was the bus driver <laughs> Story-wise, sure. <laughs> Story-wise. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then it's cut to four years later. Um, and like, it was like a school trip. So it was like a bunch of kids on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, the families have moved on. Some of them haven't. There's a support group, so on and so forth. Right. And the one girl that like you're kind of introduced to in the first scene is like, obviously, who you're going to be following um uh uh i have the cast list up right now and the Tyra Plurts. uh yeah um camille um just like climbs up over the mountain where the bus fell and just starts yeah just sure walking back yeah um comes home and makes herself a sandwich yeah uh and then like you start to see all of the other dead people returning mm-hmm. and proceeding to chow the fuck down. You know the first thing that we see come back, do you recall? The butterfly. A butterfly. Yeah. And I thought maybe everybody was coming back with superpowers because the first thing this butterfly does is flutter its wings and then it shatters the glass <laughs> case that it's in and flies away. And for a butterfly to do that. <laughs> for a butterfly, it seemed yeah. very, very powerful. So I, I mean, we haven't, exactly been given the chance to see any of these people that came back like they haven't had a chance to exhibit any sort of like strength or anything like that maybe one exception towards the end of uh Uh, yes you're right ah we will get to that (laughs) fuck um uh but there are the weird things like they like the power gets fucked with um yeah the, the reservoir is going down going yeah. down um but for a show where the concept is people you thought were long dead and gone are now back i thought like the way they did that uh with the characteristics of the people that have come back mm-hmm. was way 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 intriguing and and engaging 
Um, cause I like all the old Romero zombie movies and stuff like that. And like, you know, one of the things in those movies are always like, you know, Oh no, but it's still my daughter. It's like, nah, but like, you know, drooling and shit. Like, obviously it's not But like this, they come back and they're just like chill as fuck. Yeah. And what's funny is that in those other movies that you mentioned, the parents are usually like, Oh, they're just like they were before. And it's like, no, dude, like missing an arm and like, yeah. Speaking the devil's tongue or something. Yeah. <laughs> this one, it like the parents are like, "What the hell is going on? Who is that?" Yeah. <laughs> um. The the mother uh of Camille, um, uh Claire, mm-hmm. uh played by Anne uh, Consney, um, I thought she she played that so fucking well when uh, when uh, Camille came back. Right. Just because like how you wouldn't even know how to comprehend like that's that to be able to wrap your head around like okay i'm a parent lost a child uh and then all of a sudden they're in the fucking they're in the kitchen making a sandwich right i i i I don't know i just thought that was played with like such like nuance um and 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 subtlety and she they showed that she had kept the room entirely in order which yeah lucky they find yeah she she rushes in there and blows out the candles and pulls out the yeah the the shrine or memorial to her daughter (laughs) and then everything's just as it was but the whole rest of the house was like that too there's like one picture from the kitchen or something that had had changed places and otherwise had been completely unchanged in the last four years she moved a picture put up a vigil and then uh cut her hair i think was (laughs) all the changes that she had made um that was i don't know man i think that like may have been like the best scene of the show to me was that like initial reaction it was fucking great yeah and then uh when uh the dad comes over as well uh overall the the reactions that people play to seeing the person come back is very powerful yeah (laughs) very interesting um and then like the other sort of uh big uh Device, I guess you would say, for the show is the people that try to come back to what they knew as home, but know who they left behind aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Whether it be like a significant other or parents or what have you. Um, those are some interesting because they seem to like sort of weave into kind of like, you know, who else is going to be involved in the show and stuff like that. Um yeah, I mean, did you have any other like sort of things that stood out to you, or I mean, just right off the bat, that just one scene was just pretty killer to me. Sure. Just speaking about the point to the show that we've gotten to so far, we see a bunch of children die in a tragic accident. We see uh, the support group four years later showing that people are you know just finally starting to get over the loss of their kids, and then we see one of them come back. And like, what's the next meeting of that support group looking like? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we got we got ours back. Like, what about you guys? No? Ooh, awkward. <laughs> well, it's already a pretty goddamn awkward support group since the guy who, like, leads up the support group is, uh, like, with uh, the mom of the girl who comes back with yeah. Claire. Right. Uh, and, and the dad, like, they're obviously split, but he still goes to that support group. So that's pretty, and he's just like a dick throughout it. Um, yeah, although I agree with everything that he said. 
Oh, they're absolutely. Like, he's he's right. They're like, oh hey, look at this look at this monument they were gonna put up. It looks like a butt or something. It was a terrible it's monument that they put together. Awful. <laughs> you know what's interesting? They call it something very specific in the dialogue. They call it like a, a stell. S-T-E-L-E okay. is what, what it says in the subtitle. Uh, it's like a word that is pretty uncommon for like a, a memorial yeah. type monument. Um, it's just on screen for a moment in the very beginning, but the scientific name of the butterfly that escapes is uh, Victorina Stellinus. Spelled hmm. the same, so I don't know what that implies, but it was a weird, uh, I assume, intentional. Well, and that does detail. sort of lead to kind of like the larger nature of the show mm-hmm. um, that you can attribute to these, you know, shows like Lost and these other and and Westworld and and these other sort of mystery box shows. Well, you mentioned earlier on that. You, you like that in movies more than TV shows. And I think it's because we've been trained by TV shows that that kind of plot is covering something. Usually when you see a movie that you has a mystery, you know that in two hours you're going to know the answer to it. Yeah. Or at least come to some kind of satisfying resolution. If you see a mystery in a show, now we just know that it's like, oh, it could be years if this does well before we know what the heck is going on, if ever. I mean, that honestly might just be me you know, still a, a scorned lover of Lost, mm-hmm. you know, where like nothing was given a fucking satisfying, you know, resolution. Um, and 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 it's just a bigger risk because with a movie, at least on the creative side, you have a lot less cooks in the kitchen. Whereas on a show over the, the course of the lifespan of a show, you can have a lot of people come in and sort of influence and change where it may have gone or whatever. Someone told me recently they were rewatching Lost. And I just thought, you know, why? <laughs> Do you think it's going to be different? <laughs> like, no, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get where where they were going with it more this time. I'm gonna watch it from their perspective. <laughs> it's their perspective is wondering what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I felt like this show did a very good job of distracting you from like that big mystery question because. Like a lot of the, the, because of the way that they did come back, like fully animated, fully cognizant, um, just kind of like, you know, uh, I blacked out. And I do and have it's trust. just the next day. I do have trust, especially in like foreign series Certainly. like this too. If I had heard about this being an American show first, I probably wouldn't have been interested in any mystery because of what I just said. It's like, I know that I'm not going to see any resolution to it, but sure. no, like, all right. Yeah. There's just like eight episodes. And eight more in a season two. When it's something short like that, you know that. Yeah. It has that sort of finite uh, uh, capacity to it. Like, I'm sure you noticed the difference between BBC Sherlock and Elementary, where one is made in, you know, three episode series where each one is about a movie and the other one has, you know, what, 22 episodes? Yeah. American seasons. It's crazy, though, that Lucy Liu plays Watson in both. (laughs) Yeah. Um. The but yeah, so like I think it's 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 to their benefit when you're not thinking about, well, why the fuck is this happening like the entire time of the show? Like that's sort of Westworld was sort of able to pull that off uh, with like those scenes with Hopkins and Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris and Tandy Newton. And and, you know, you're getting sort of caught up in a lot of the 
performances, mm-hmm. but so many of those performances are still wrapped around the larger question. Whereas the performances in this were more so wrapped around the characters. Right. Um, and, and it wasn't even until like, like three quarters the way through the show. That I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's right. How are they coming back? That's so weird. And talking about Westworld too, that's something that still feels like a show for as powerful as it was. Like you can still watch it. And after the first, you know, 30 minutes, if you pause it and ask somebody, are you, are you currently watching a television show or a movie? Yes. Like they'll tell you a TV show. If you'd asked me when watching this, I, I don't think I wouldn't have been able to tell you whether or not I was halfway through a movie or halfway through a TV show. Felt very cinematic. Whereas you're right. Like, uh, Westworld, while still having like a very large scope and scale to it, it's large scale television, much the same way as Game of Thrones. Right. Game of Thrones still feels like a TV show. It's just on a scale that TV's really never been produced on before. Yeah, and I may be wrong about this, but I think they even shot Westworld on film. Yeah, I, I 100% believe that. Yeah. Um, the director of this was also the the creator of the the series for the return, uh, uh, Fabrice Gobert. Um. I wonder what else he's done. He's done really just the returned. Um, yeah, I've listened to your other episodes, and a good chunk of them always seems to be about the celebrities in them and what they went on to do and <laughs> what they're doing now. And I, I, I really have no context on what no. any of these people have done or who they are. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of times with sort of foreign import shows, you do get a little bit of a, um there's usually like one or two people that kind of cross over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, for this, you're not really going to get that. Um, but uh, what else? Uh, what were some of the other uh, returned? You had, you had the groom, uh, the groom um, coming back for uh, Adele. Right. Um, you had uh, whoever came back to Mr. Costa. The old man? The old man. Right. <clears throat> Presumably a wife or... Yeah. yeah. Who he... <laughs> uh, outside of jumping off the dam, uh, had probably like the the best uh, reaction and action you could have had as a viewer. Right. Like being disconnected from it, you're like, yeah, burn those motherfuckers alive. They come from the devil. Yes. Yeah, They're so going to kill you. That's, that's exactly it too. He does... Like the most horrifying thing, really. But when you look at everybody's actions, yeah, like the, also the most reasonable, <laughs> yeah. the most believable, like the most pragmatic <laughs> fucking actions. Which, like, again, like, there's no way to explain how you or or to 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 begin to to say like how you would react. But like, if I'm an old man, like who has a a, a doctor or nurse on house call, like, yeah, yeah just like fucking and and someone from the past like just comes out of nowhere back from i think in his case it might have been like more than four years or whatever yeah um like yeah no we're burning all this shit down yeah he calls somebody and it's the doctor and he's like oh yeah my heart you gotta come give me a shot or something yeah it's like why don't worry about it hear a noise in the next room while she's over yeah don't don't pay any attention to that at all Um, like has no interest in telling anybody about this just is like all right i've i've lost it i'm done yeah so that said he ties his returned up and burns the house down and the cops when they're investigating to see if okay it was arson 
no bodies found in the house. Yeah, there was nobody there. So that's that stuck out to me very much because, you know, we alluded to this earlier with the butterfly breaking the glass. Yeah. Uh, the woman tied to the bed, um, you know, if with she like maybe she like did that. like, you know, one of those, you know, cable oh. or peck deck type things and just snap the bed nap. I don't know. This like, is how I imagine what happened. I, I'll, I'll watch the second episode. If this doesn't happen, you know, I won't be too upset, but I hope that it does. Uh, and then she just breaks through the window and, you know, hulks out and runs off just into the night. Bounces, leaping bounces. <laughs> yeah, just like jumping. Yeah. <laughs> like Superboy in Smallville. <laughs> Leaping across the fields, um, <laughs> for real. And that was that was the moment that like kind of shook me out of it and reminded me that we're watching a mystery box show again, right? Um, because it was like a, 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 a interesting moment um, that we end the fucking episode on. We have the mysterious boy who you, comes yes. back, but he's not even the most mysterious returned, in my opinion. Because we see him on screen for like three times as long as we see the killer who has presumably come back in the tunnel. He came back? That is what I understand to be so. Who was he? Like, was he connected to anybody that we knew or? All right. I can't remember if I thought this from the show or if I thought this from like reading about the show after I watched it. But I believe that he is one of the. If if not if he's not one of the return, okay. then he's still more mysterious than this little boy. Head sure, it's like who yeah. the heck is this? Because he was just a random fucking like, just stabber yeah. in a tunnel. Yeah, it's completely. Yeah, I did not. I may have like looked down for a second or something and missed a piece of. It comes out of uh, nowhere and nothing happened. Yeah. Like, is not contextualized at all in this episode. I'm yeah. sure that they're setting something up for later on. Fuck. But well, that's god damn it. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a lot more interesting to me than uh, I. I fucking hate this trope so much. Creepy little boy. Yeah, I hate that fucking trope Gosh. so much. I'm done with it. Talking about believable reactions to things. Yeah, least believable yeah. is the the woman, the doctor, um, uh, lady who comes over. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Julie. Right. Uh, Played by uh, Celine uh, uh, Salette. Really? Her? Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> but um, yeah, like, oh, okay. Uh, little mysterious boy standing out in the yard. Uh, turn away for a minute. Look back. He's gone. Yeah. He's, he's buzzing at the door. He's won't got, say a word. He's got the full suite. Of creepy little boy uh, action figure. Uh, <laughs> the the, the dead eyed stare, the. Not the, saying anything but the, one word. The kung fu grip, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So. It's like, all right, well, I guess, I guess I'll guess i go ahead and defend your existence to my nosy uh, neighbor who. Yeah. In my opinion, isn't nosy enough, that neighbor. She Sorry. is a complete failure from the perspective of a building neighborhood watch. Yep. Oh, hey, mysterious guy who like comes and like knocks on his door and starts looking for somebody else. Like, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> Two incredibly mysterious happenings in one night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, she, uh, uh, that nosy neighbor is Louis Tully and uh, Julie is Dana Barrett. And that apartment is Spook Central. <laughs> what? Ghostbusters references. Oh, okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I saw Ghostbusters. Why did I not? Deep cuts, uh. man. Deep cuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was frustrating and 
Like that was like its first strike against it in my book. Um, yeah, that was the thing. That was the one thing that kind of took me out of it. Me like, all right, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> show did not need creepy little kid, and then. You then he have, shows up at the end. He's like the cause or part of, of the, the cause of the, of bus? the bus crash. Yeah, half of the cause. Half of the cause. The other half is the big. Well, uh, boy, when do you want to talk about that? So, eventually, um, it's revealed. It has a big reveal that. Um, so Claire we've, comes back. We've uh, heard about her sister, sister Lena. Yeah, for. For all, and, and we were following her. We've She's like her, at a yeah. bar and stuff like that. She's walking across town in the dark with a stranger just to show him to somebody else's house for no reason. Also, one of the return who she doesn't know is a return and all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, she gets home. Uh, she sees her sister. Her sister sees her. They both freak the fuck out. And we come to find out they freak the fuck out because Lena is now four years older than what uh, uh, Camille is. And they're fucking twins. So that's that's a cool ass reveal to me. And they don't even show that part for another little bit. No, yeah, because it, it they just... they show that they're so freaked out seeing each other, and then it isn't until a few minutes later that you know they go back in time and they show you know uh, uh, Camille going down and getting ready for the field yes. trip. The ironic in retrospect, no, you gotta go. Like, <laughs> yeah, parent stuff. And then, yeah, you see her come out again and yes. wave goodbye to herself. And- Super dope reveal. Um, and that was like a moment that's like, damn, I'm back in. Because that's, once that happens, like, in the, the context of this world, like, yeah, that should come to Jesus moment. You got to fucking try to explain to your daughter that just came back from being dead for four years. And you played off the entire night like nothing's happened. Yeah. Um, that like, well, you've been dead for four years. What are you doing here? Did, did the sister sneak back in? Did Lita sneak back in? Or yeah. did the mom just say, oh, you know, just go upstairs? And no, she snuck <laughs> in. Okay, she cool. was like getting home like super late. And right. Stuff. Uh, so here's a deep cut. Okay. A very deep cut yeah. that this reminded me of. Uh, when I was in middle school, I read a lot of books by a man named William Sleater, who wrote like young adult, high concept sci-fi books. Okay. Uh, where just there'd be some premise like it's a machine that copies things and mm-hmm. here's what this little boy does when he finds it uh, there is one called singularity where two twins are at some relative's house and there's a shed in the back they say like, oh, don't go in the shed they go into the shed and what they find in the shed is like some kind of warp in time that makes time in the shed pass like super slow compared to everything outside of it and one of the things in the book that happens is one of the twins uh, sets himself up to live in the shed for an entire year because he's mad at his twin. So he comes out and he's like a full year older. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty nuts to get out of sync with somebody like that. And yeah. yeah. That The reason I bring it up is just because it's twins. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the <laughs> There's same some, yeah. sort of like concept. They totally ripped off. <laughs> This obscure <laughs> young adult sci-fi book that came out in 1985. <laughs> Which, knowing that now, hey, I'm still fine with. <laughs> yeah. But everything, everything's a remix of something. The part that lost me all over again was them having 
a fucking supernatural twin connection. Yeah. So that lost me at first, and I was like, all right, well, if it, if they're going to do something crazy like this, then it has to mean something. So what I'm thinking is, like, is everybody who came back a twin or something? They don't... That's the first question that came up to me. It was like, is there some kind of mystical twin power that is causing this? I don't, um, yeah, that'd be... I don't know. That'd be... I don't know. Even if that was the case, I don't know if that'd be enough to, like, bring me back in. Because... So what happens is... Uh, Camille's on the trip on the bus. Lena is faking sick to stay home and her boyfriend comes over and they get diggity down. By the way, I watched this in a Starbucks. And and there's a scene where you have like I watched a the whole thing. Old. I thought I was safe. Here we are in like the last 5 minutes. I'm thinking that everything's going to, you know, start wrapping up and then, yeah. I'm sorry. Tween, tween having sex. I'm sorry I didn't label this NSFS. <laughs> but, yeah. and it's her first time. So there's obviously a strong feeling that happens. Right. When the, so when a penis goes in a vagina. <laughs> um, and, and Camille feels it on the fucking bus and starts like freaking out, like runs up to the front and is like, pounding on the door we have to get let me out let me out mm-hmm. uh and that's when like the bus driver gets distracted and that's when we see him swerve to not hit the boy and that's when they go over the fucking cliff yeah that that bus driver's still lvp yeah you know so, what i think you're right so they go like start slowing down it's like oh hey stop but i can't slow down it's too dangerous like like continuing to look at her the whole time just, yeah just it, stop man uh this kind of like brings me back to what uh, we kind of talked about earlier about kind of like uh, Frankensteining pieces of, of a story together or like devices that you're going to use. I, I, I felt like the show was just good enough on its own with like and whatever the answer to it ends up being. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But just focus on these people that come back full like with their full memories and full cognition and they're able to function perfectly fine that's fucking that's fucked up enough that is enough but when you start throwing in like creepy kids and and like twin powers like too much and here's another thing about the bus driver god damn it colin look they show the first thing they show before there's even a crash they show him like driving away and he's on a one lane road and there's a sign that's pointed the other direction <laughs> So he's like going the wrong way down a one lane street. Like that's that's he's just bad from the get. That's expert foreshadowing. That's what I think. Um well uh all right, so uh El- you you were lobbying very hard for this bus driver. Um if it were to be somebody with more at bats <laughs> and was a little higher on the call sheet, who would you say is the LVP? The LVP, we're starting with that one first. Yeah, let's start with the LVP. Um, are we talking about characters or actors? Performances? Actors, or, performances, okay. yeah. Because I, do you have like nominees you want to throw out there? Like people that you just like weren't fans of? Because I could, I could think of a few. Uh, well, I mean, the first one I'm thinking of is uh, Julie, right? She's taking the, care the, of the kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's. that's she wasn't one. particularly enthralling. And. She had a very tough and important job of like 
selling why it's okay that this kid is coming in or something. Yeah. Like she just kind of the whole time I'm just getting like that she's unsure about this and like really suspicious. And so it just yeah. made, made even less sense. There's like, oh yeah, well come on in and you know, go down to sleep or something. And but, also do call the cops. Yeah. Do. Like it hurts nothing. You're not like protecting this kid by it, just character and, and performance wise. Maybe it's a cultural thing with the French that people just mind their business except for this this neighbor. Or maybe maybe that was part of her minding her business. I like man. Like if I came I would go on another tangent, but are we on this on this stage of LVP MVP? Oh, I I wanna hear it. This wouldn't work for me. If I was <laughs> if I was a revenant and I came back and like I was confused about something. I feel like I, I'd figure it out pretty early on. Certainly on the hour walk home. Yeah. Like she. All right. So the they they established that it, it took place in two thousand two, right? This this bus accident. Yes. So that's. Or, or no, the 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 groom died in two thousand two. Right. I'm not right, sure about right. the, the bus. Yeah, they all sort of died in like different years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would have a phone in my pocket and I'd open up Facebook and see that my page was a memorial <laughs> and be like, Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> like I'd have like no signal. And be like, what's going on? Trying to, yeah. Um, if somebody, if somebody came back, it would be the worst thing for everybody. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of this, it's like, Oh, Hey, other parents who lost children in this accident. Like they're not going to be happy. They're not going to be like, "Oh, well, good for you." Why do you this get supernatural this? thing that yeah. Yeah. And that kid, if I was one of those kids that came back, if I was like the one kid who died in a school trip and then came back, well, I wouldn't want to be that kid anymore. Yeah, all your friends are dead and like another thing, if it was my kid that came back and I had missed them enough and been so wrought with grief that I'd kept everything just as it was and earlier in the day had sat on the edge of their bed staring into some candles that I've lit. I wouldn't trust him in the bath alone. You know? <laughs> like, I'm not going to leave this up to any other chances. The whole the whole beginning of this, yeah. I was thinking like, gosh, you got to hold on tight now because the worst thing, that, that'd really suck. Man, you I, know, some, something comes back and then just dies for some other stupid reason. I think you're definitely onto something in that this is a very, very cultural... Thing. like for the French like yeah maybe all these were kind of appropriate but like even even with the American version which I'm now curious to watch to see how they like sort of massage that oh boy I saw it's, the trailer for it and it's like Ugh. it's it's it takes such a level of white for this to work <laughs> of just like fucking suburban white people to just be like Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, how does it stay a secret for so long too? Yeah. Because they find out that Camille is alive like real fast and they don't say anything. Yeah. I don't know if I would either though, now that I think about it. <laughs> Cuz then my kids getting tested on by the government. Fucking test that kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh So for LVP, my other nominee would be the kid, but I feel like it's unfair to nominate kids especially like when they don't know that they're just being used as a trope. The little boy? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, actually, that I thought that, you know, for, like, children actors, Camille certainly was great. I she thought. was. And, you know, the 
kid, I thought at least wasn't completely annoying. And any any bit of him that was was due to his role in the story. Yeah, you know, there are times where you see like somebody acting, like some little kid acting. And you're like, all right, get this kid out of here. This one, I was like, all right, well, let's. You know, he's supposed to be like a, a creepy, um, you know, unexplained yes. thing, and he's yeah. that, and he's not being precocious. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, so yeah, I think we can agree that um, uh, Celine Salette is the L- LVP tied the, with the bus driver. Tied, yeah. tied with the bus driver. <laughs> uh, who was your MVP? Jerome. There- uh, he was the father. Yes, um, dude. There are. Uh, there's a long list of of contenders. I think I this. said that like it was easy. That's just because I had really thought about it. Yeah, but yeah, the whole cast really was great. I I don't disagree with that. I thought Claire was also fucking great. Just for, if not just for that one scene right. of of just that reaction. Um. Uh, you know, let's keep the family unit intact. <laughs> like, there's, mm-hmm. there, you you make the same case for both of them, in my opinion. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to go with Jerome for that too. So yeah, just to be in agreement. He goes. He goes through such a range in this show. You know, he's like distraught. The first time you see him, he's coming out of a room with a prostitute. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's beaten down. Walks past his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> on the way. <laughs> The, 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 the guy, the guy that his daughter's with is like, oh, hey, looks like your dad was with that prostitute for like the third time this, this week, week, huh? Yeah. It's like, yeah, God, no. What are you going to do, huh? <laughs> you lose one daughter, your dad is uh, seeing a prosto three times a week. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, oh, boy. Kind of the same age. No, maybe they weren't going for that, but they seemed... she Lucy, I think, was the name, and yeah. she seemed to be at least a peer of Lena. At least, I wouldn't I really, know. I wouldn't really looking at it uh, too. Close. I wasn't looking into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably saw that scene because you watched it like one and a half times. Yeah, about yeah. So I didn't get to rewatch that scene. Um, would you have a question for uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Fabrice Gobert? About so, so like I have so many questions about the show, but it's all stuff that the show intended, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I I, I I might agree with one that you say, but I don't think I'm well, bringing that's, anything that's to the table Well, that's kind of the thing here. is because all the questions that get brought up within the show are questions for the show, for the plot, for the story. Um, but it's based off of a movie. Right. So my, my question, I guess, would be, and I, the answer would be just fucking watch and find out, but like if, if the resolution at the end of the movie isn't the same as it at the end of the show mm-hmm. like what was the process for that like is it like a down do-over where you just wanted to like oh i i really wanted this or like that conversation here's my question and i want you to imagine it uh with this director seated at a panel at comic-con and <laughs> i just got to the mic and i'm really sweaty and you know frustrated looking and i say <laughs> Say, like, yeah, um, <laughs> I just wanted a little clarification on one point. The butterfly, Victorina Stellanitz. Knew it was going to be the fucking butterfly. That, that, that appears in the case at the beginning of the show. First of all, why can't it break the glass? Second of all, 
we we see that there is no connection between <laughs> the body of the deceased and where the deceased returns because presumably you know the the groom did not dig his way out of his grave because he found his grave um the the wife of this of this old man probably was not a corpse laying in her bed i assume i mean i don't know and the butterfly to go back to the butterfly victorina stellanis is native to south america and it does fly as far north as cuba and south florida and presumably it died there before it was placed into this entomology collection so if it was dead and had a pin through it why did it not wake up in the jungles of south america and if it is the fact that something about the town's geography brings things back to life then why did everybody else not wake up in their coffins and come you know scraping through and bursting from the ground night of the evil dead night of the living dead style you know well, uh, uh, thank you so much for your question. I'm sorry, the moderator, I got to jump in here. It looks like we're out of time. Um, so thank you guys so much for- The uh, truth will be known. <laughs> um, fuck, I forgot about Homeboy seeing his grave too. I yeah. mean, that, that brings up a whole nother set of questions. Again, of like, well, they're these, presumably them, are waking up at wherever they died, and they established that it's a it's either a one time thing or a selective thing. Yeah, because the and it is very contradictory because of the butterfly. The butterfly causes so many fucking problems. Did this butterfly Jesus. come alive to this mountain in France, or gosh, well, what if that's where that butterfly died on that board? I mean, that's the only that's the only solution I'd I'd be able to posit. Aside from that, um, is there anything else that we haven't covered uh, that you want to kind of go over? I feel like we pretty much hit most of it. The doctor at one point says, the psychologist, the guy who's leading the support group yeah. says, um, it's happened once before. <clears throat> is he talking about Jesus or is he talking about some like, kind of... I feel like he's talking about Jesus because they, uh, uh, Claire, they were talking about how hard she's been praying for her to come back. Yeah. And I do um, agree with Jerome's point about, you know, you were you wanted this and you didn't know what to do. Like, it's cool that I don't know what the hell to do because I didn't expect some crazy nonsense like this to happen. But you've been praying for this shit for four, four years. Four years, yeah. So. You didn't have a plan? <laughs> You're just going to, like, send her to bed and, like, have have somebody pretend to take her pulse? <laughs> have some soup ready. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think, like, they're going to be like sort of the religious they're gonna at least bring up the like the religious end of all this um so as a uh, both ways as a as a network executive and as a watcher do you pick this up all right if the network i'm working for is uh like Netflix or something that gives a lot of creative control to people. I'd say mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, definitely. If I'm working for, you know, CBS, then um, I would hope that I would know that we would just ruin it. And you would, would try say, to get, uh, well, who can we bring in? That's going to be a better dead person than these dead people. <laughs> Joel McHale. Okay. good. <laughs> Replaced uh, Chris O'Dowd in the IT crowd real well. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think no matter which which network I'm working for, I know that it needs to get on TV. And the worst yeah. thing I'm doing is saying no so that I can find it to get, like, find somewhere where it can really go. Right. On TV. <laughs> uh, are you going to keep watching the show personally? Yeah, I'm going to go home and watch the rest now, probably. <laughs> and I also want to see a Mysterious Jack. This was a poster that was in a bus stop in the movie. And they show it when, like, the little boy is getting off and, like, following uh, Julia. Oh, oh. And I don't know what that is or if it means something, but that looked like a real interesting <laughs> poster. It looked like Dr. Manhattan and, like, a saguaro cactus in the background. I don't know what was going on with that. Also interesting poster placement in uh, Lena's bedroom is a memento. memento poster. Yep. Yeah. I also wrote down memento poster. Yep. I almost <laughs> forgot about that. Shit. Um, and you know what? <clears throat> Uh, I thought of this earlier when you said like, oh, you know, the shared twin sensation thing on the bus. Maybe they're just kind of pulling a, you know, Christopher Nolan on us there and showing like intercutting two things to imply that they're happening at the same time when maybe they're not. Who knows? I don't know. They were. They, 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 it was happening at the same <laughs> okay. time. But um, yeah, I as an as as an exec there, you know, that there's definitely quality here. Um, and especially in America, you know, it's probably not going to be like the most watched thing. Yeah. But if, if I'm seeing stuff like what, if I'm in a world where Netflix is airing their interesting original things and, and, you know, HBO and other channels are getting, are getting these more cinematic things. And I think that, yeah, it's a really good pick. Places I could, I could see a fit for this. And and again, as I mentioned, it did eventually land as a, as a American uh, version on Sundance TV, but like if this was on like Showtime, or or not even Showtime. Uh, I, think, I think the French version was on Sundance, and then the American one was on A and E. Okay, that. Life, yeah. I mean, they both sound right. I think that is right. A and E is still kind of like a weird fit. It sounds like, but um, <laughs> not sounds like it was a weird fit. Um, but A&E. like, I could totally see this show coming on like after the Nick on Cinemax, like sort of, you know, kind of same color palette going on, sort of drab and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or I could see it on a, um, not quite an AMC, I guess an A&E. Yeah, I guess they fucking nailed it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely has a place on television because there's definitely quality there. Um, as a viewer, I mean, all those questions are there to they're designed to make you keep watching, mm-hmm. you know, more so than just like the way Netflix can spectacularly end an episode. So you make sure you have to start the next one. Right. Um, but those other things, the kid and the twin stuff really fucking turned me off. Like, like in a way I was just like, man, fuck that. Plus you got to read. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. I I need to give myself more credit than I usually do. Yeah. Um, I don't think I picked this up. Like, really? I want to know what happens. But bring it all back around, I can literally watch the movie. I can literally watch the two-hour version of this. <laughs> right. And get that answer. Yeah. Damn. Holy shit. Talk about bringing the whole thing back around. God damn, Colin. We we done made a masterpiece. 
of yeah of 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 verbal arts <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's gonna that's gonna i think that's gonna do it um for this episode of picked up um dude thank you so much again for uh for coming by and watching the show and and chatting with me for going on hour and a half now man it's been a lot of fun i've 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 severely enjoyed this yeah thanks a lot for having me over and introducing me to this show that i never would have heard of if not for this podcast and i hope that your listeners find the same definitely check out the show uh, you know we never actually like say we all the time whether we would recommend a show definitely watch it it might be up your yeah, alley do watch it uh and also you know if you're here uh, it's probably because this is one of the only podcasts about the pilot episode of this show. I'm sure you're going to find tons about like Mad Men and yeah. every other show that you do. So. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Go and check out all the other episodes. Uh, so do you have anything you want to plug at all? or? Well, for me, uh, for those in Chicago, I'm very Chicago regional. Uh, I do recommend Bill Arnett's Chicago Improv Studio. Hell he does, yes. He does shows for free. Uh, starting at 8 o'clock every Thursday night at the Bug House Theater, which is right by the Irving Park Brown Line stop. And he also teaches what I think are the best, like, bang for your buck classes in the city right now. Good God, you know, yes. Eight weeks, four weeks of shows, guaranteed showtime, and from one of the greatest improvisers that I know. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, got a book coming out soon, too, right? He does have a book, um, uh, The Complete Improviser. Yes. And I have a copy, and it's really great. And any improviser of any skill level uh, should definitely take a look at that. Um, and uh, starting in March, we'll have uh, weekly shows as well. Yeah, uh, you, both and, of us. you and I will be performing, as will Robert <laughs> Colomberti. Yeah. Because we will be doing our uh, eight <laughs> weeks of shows to mark the end of our trip through the yeah. Improv Olympic. You'll be able IO. to find us at IO, uh, the the legendary IO Theater in Chicago. You know, we've known each other for seven years. I took my first class at IO before we met. Good God. <laughs> my level one was in t 2010, so it will be over seven years for me to complete this <laughs> five-level course. Uh, and now, uh, any, anything else? Now, I, I'm not on Twitter, but you know who is? Oh. Is this fantastic comedian, my mom who is really tearing it up in Jacksonville, Florida. She is. She is she does uh she hosts a mic uh, for local Jacks comedian. She's starting up her own podcast. Uh the most recent thing that she did was a 20 minute opening sets for Arsenio Hall, four shows. Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's oh, she started this as soon as I moved out. So she's been doing it for like 3 years. She was like, "Oh, well, I'm done with scrapbooking and stuff now, so I guess I'm just going to do stand-up comedy, and uh, be really awesome at it. Uh, she has a website at christinashriver.com, and her Twitter handle is Burning Karma, and she gets on me all the time for not liking her tweets or retweeting them. And they're great tweets, so, you know, please follow her and retweet and like in my stead so that I look like a better son <laughs> for force-multiplying yes. uh, her Twitter presence. <laughs> uh, well, sounds good, man. Um uh, you can find me on the on another show on this network. Yes. On an episode of uh, Our Father. Our Father. Where, boy, if you want to hear me as a, a little boy and a demon in the same span of an hour, then you know, give that one a listen. That's easily one of the most impressive uh, pieces of character work. <laughs> like, like, I'm not just like saying that. It is an amazing episode. 
<clears throat> like I remember Rudy and I talked about it afterwards. Like, I know we talked about like adding stuff in post and like sound effects and shit, but like, <laughs> I don't think we really need to. He's like, yeah, I don't think we do either. And it's like, it's good to go. Yeah. And if you want to hear that amazing character work from me, then boy, I'm not going to give you a preview here. Go no. and give that one a download. Head on over to arcadeaudio.net. Look up our father and check it out where you can also find all of our other shows uh, on the network. Um, keep an eye out. We are ever expanding. Um, and I got some some other big things that we're working on. Um, actually, um, I'll say this. Uh, our father, uh, you mentioned it, is actually going to be uh, performing a show live at the Gainesville Improv Festival. Yes. Um, I'll be there and in the audience. It's it's going to be a, a fun show, a fun fest. Um, I believe uh, it'll be going on Friday night. So if you're in Florida and you can make the trip over to Gainesville, um, come check us out live. It's going to be so much dumb fun. And we are two alumni of uh, Theater Strike Force. So if you're one of those current members who wants, who's listening to, you know, uh, a couple of peers who have risen to the top, and one advice, then our advice is to go to this GIF. Uh, I, I will actually also be um, hosting a, a podcast workshop as well. Um, so if you're looking, if you're in the northern central Florida area and looking to get into podcasting, uh, hit up uh, Gainesville Improv dot uh, com. Uh, for more information about uh, workshops and how you can get in on that um, and tickets and all that good stuff. Um, it'll be released at a later date anyway. So designated survivor. <laughs> we're going to close this out and then we're going to start that back up. Um, so again, Colin, thank you so much for being here um, and doing this with me. And uh, for Colin, this is Rich um, uh, saying thanks for picking us up and keep your dial tuned to awesome. Okay. Designated survivor fucking hit me with it. Just go. Okay. Like, are, how, are you familiar with the show at all? I'm familiar with the premise, the and premise. And he's, he's the director of housing and urban development. He's okay. a secretary of housing and urban development. Yes. And he is the loser that is designated by the government to just sit out the uh, State of the Union, I, I believe, just in case, just in case it gets bombed and the entire government dies, which happens in the first five minutes of this show. Now, the problem that I have with this show that I've seen every episode of and plan to continue doing so <laughs> is that this secretary is who is thrust into the role of president of inept, incompetent president is Kiefer Sutherland. Who we've been trained through 10 years of watching television in 24 to know as, like, the most fucking cunning man. After the worst tragedy our nation has ever experienced, he was the guy who came on TV and really uh, put the screws to the terrorists and made us feel safe again. The guy we've been told that could have stopped it all along. Yeah. <laughs> and here he is, cast as a terrible president... So is he just like a bumbling idiot? No, that's the problem. He's supposed to be, and he's awesome. <laughs> like they they start him off like he gets a phone call or like the oh he's watching the feed on TV you know eating chips or whatever like wearing sweatpants blah 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 and feed cuts out and he's like what's going on guys what what's happening it's like uh sir everybody everybody just died you're the president now. And he's like, oh, what? I'm not prepared to be that. And then as soon as he has to do anything presidential, he's like full key for sort of like, what, what we got? <laughs> like just, he is not, 
He's a great actor. He's not convincing as somebody who is not the ultimate authority. So what everything. you're saying is they should have got like a Jack Black type. Or <laughs> like, oh, fucking slacker. That's the show. You know what they should have gotten? Kevin Klein. Uh, like, but for real though. Yeah, bring it back in. You know, I mean, maybe the the only reason, the only acceptable reason that it's not Kevin Klein is because they're making that Dave political thriller for us. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck, um, man. I swear to God, if Designated Survivor has a scene where he calls up Charles Grodin and they fix the fucking budget <laughs> in the kitchen, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah, because. You know, one of those terrible tropes of shows sometimes is to be like, this guy's the ultimate badass. Yeah. You know, haven't you heard of him? He's done everything right. And then he shows up on screen and then like does nothing of any consequence and leaves. And he's like, whoa, that guy was so super competent. It's the opposite with this show. <laughs> where like everybody who talks about him is like, well, how did this guy end up being president? This, this loser. Fucking dipshit. He doesn't know anything. He's throwing the country into a whole mess and... And then he comes in, drops the dick on the table, like, completely solves everything. Yeah, like, solves everything. Because, you know, every episode, of course, introduces some insane crisis. Well, first of all, you know, there's been a mass, uh, an attack of the scale of destroying the government. And, you know, he has that to look into. And there's, like, these conspiracies and problems with, you know, uh, foreign governments who are trying to get in. And, like, he, he, yeah, like, dropping the dick on the table, he has to talk to some Iranian diplomat or something who uh they have gotten the idea to really push uh, america and make some move into some yeah gulf that we're protecting or something and uh so he's like you know straight up if you don't get out of there we're gonna nuke you or something like that <laughs> 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 and like and, he, and he's so convincing and it's like that's the first like complicated thing that he has to do as president and he gets out of he's like oh oh boy flop sweat yeah boy it sure bumbled your way through that one the wreck, that bad, bad. <laughs> squeeze drench it's like buster keaton is president <laughs> i think as soon as he's as soon as he's not having to be president i yeah now i just want to see a version of this show that's like what it sounds like it was originally intended to be like a comedy. Like you get fucking if, 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 uh, for example, like if Chris Pratt never became fucking star Lord and mm-hmm. he just stayed Andy Dwyer, like that's who you cast. It sounds like that's who should have been cast for this. Thank you for playing arcade audio. Play more at arcade audio.net.